When you have worked already with a number of clients, you will most probably have come across clients who do not seem to progress. Clients that always call in sick when you're expecting them for a session or who cancel sessions they've bindingly booked sometimes even before the first session. What is going on here? Welcome to episode 13 of HypnoTalks Questions and Answers. My name is Axel Hombach. I'm a hypnotist and trainer for hypnosis and self-hypnosis in Cologne, Germany. I'm sitting here online with Dr. John Butler, the director of the HTI, the Hypnotherapy Training International in London and renowned medical hypnotherapist. Today, Dr. John Butler and I are going to talk about what self-sabotage is, if it actually exists, and if so, what is best practice to deal with it or even combat it. Hello, John. Hello, Axel. Let's dive right into it, John. You've been in the business now for quite some time and you have worked with a lot of clients in various settings. Just so that our listeners have an idea about which settings you've worked in and so have experience in. So, if you could give a rough overview about your field of expertise. Okay, Axel. Well, as a clinical hypnotherapist, I've worked in a, the general field, as it were, like a general practitioner, where I've seen people with the usual problems of anxiety and stress, depression and so on, and behavioral problems such as addictions and, and uh, self-defeating behaviors of various kinds. Uh, there are, of course, uh, areas where I've specialized in. A lot of people know me for working with medical conditions as a medical psychologist teaching university. I've seen many clients who with medical-related problems, psychosomatic illness, and organic illnesses where there are issues about pain and so on. And I've worked with uh, those kind of problems, including for medical procedures now and medical uh, well, surgeries and so on, where there is a great value in using hypnosis for improving the outcomes, reducing infections and speeding up healing, and of course, the great, great value of hypnosis for pain management and pain control. That is a very broad spectrum of work, John. Have you come across self-sabotage in your work with your clients? And if so, could you give us some examples? Yes, Axel, I've come across this many times. Now, it's a very broad term, self-sabotage, and essentially it's where the person keeps interfering with their own uh, possibilities in life. In other words, they are undermining themselves in one or more areas, uh, underachieving, and all the way to really self-destructive outcomes. Instead of helping themselves with the therapy, they seem to manage always to block their growth, or inhibit it at the very least, and produce negative results constantly in their lives, in one or more areas of life, and there's many degrees and kinds of it. So firstly, I've come across it a lot and um, it's a common problem. Could you give some very specific examples so that our listeners have a more concrete idea about how self-sabotage manifests itself? To give an example from a client yesterday I was working with, she's constantly finding herself, as she says it, in unhealthy relationships. Relationships that undermine her, 
that seem to be, as she describes it, picking the wrong kind of people to be with. In her case, men who are critical and negative towards her. And yet, it's not what she chooses for herself, but she suspects that she is sabotaging herself in that area, that she is not making good judgments somehow. And as the relationships go on in this negative vein, she still hangs in there and being self-destructive instead of bringing the relationship to a termination. Now, there's, of course, people will uh, sabotage their health by behaviors such as excessive alcohol and uh, so that's another area self-destruction of health people who have always problems in their finances they seem to constantly ruin or undermine themselves in achievements and financial achievements they make bad investments they constantly never seem to progress in their jobs they don't get promotion if they start a business again they make poor choices and it can constantly be an accident because sometimes they're, they're quite intelligent they're quite capable and yet the outcomes are never very successful for them so they stay below their potential so to speak yes that's it in a general sense they're underachieving compared to their potential we mentioned now some characteristics of people who sabotage themselves how could we define self-sabotage? Okay, well, put broadly speaking, I think in self-sabotage there's a strong motivation to fail. The will to fail is there and it is largely subconscious driven. There is no, very few people would sit down and say, write, them, write down on their goal list, I want to fail, I need to fail and I must fail in my relationships or fail in maintaining my health or fail in other areas. So it's a strong, powerful force within them that motivates failure in spite of their best efforts and abilities. In spite of making strong efforts even in some cases, they seem to extract failures from every opportunity. Now it can be various degrees of it, but that's it. I would define it as an internal motivation to fail. Which they do very successfully. Absolutely. I've asked that partly because I've been wondering for some time now if there's actually real self-sabotage or if that's in fact some kind of a misconception. What I mean by that is, for example, if a person who has secondary gains, whichever they may be, and then this person goes into hypnosis but continues to, let's say, smoke or eat unhealthy things, still finds the wrong partners, despite telling he or she wants to stop smoking, change their diet, change their lives, etc., are they really sabotaging themselves? Or, let's put it differently, we all have a subconscious self-image, which you touched briefly, which is, very simply put, how we regard ourselves or perceive ourselves subconsciously. And also, this contains the entirety of our beliefs and fixed ideas about ourselves. Now, if we have a subconscious self-image in which we are, for example, a chain smoker, or smoking plays a very important role for our identity, or in which we always attract a certain type of malicious type of person, or in which we are obese. Isn't it then 
that our subconscious self-image will find every possible reason or opportunity for us to continue to smoke, to find the unhealthy kind of people, to continue the unhealthy behaviors, etc. And in that way, it delivers, if necessary, all plausible reasons, excuses, so that we can continue on our path. Very similar it is for people who don't lose weight or who don't progress in their job. Also, the same happens when you work with athletes in sports or artists who stay as poor as a church mouse. No matter what they do or those people who have good ideas but don't seem to be making any progress with their business. So, if we fulfill in that way our subconscious self-image, our self-concept. John, is that still self-sabotage? Well, Axel, that's a, an interesting aspect of this issue. To look into this, what is in the subconscious, this image, as you've said, of ourselves. That is, I think, with the self-concept, or a term I often use is self-perception, which for me is a slightly better term because it implies more of its fluidity and its openness to change if we know how to change it. And of course, most people don't, but that's what hypnotherapy is all about. We are, in a sense, then always going to try and fulfill that template in the subconscious, like a pattern that's been set. So in one sense, yes, we are being loyal to our subconscept. And you could say, well, that's not then, you know, sabotaging something. But I think, apart from the semantics here, if we look at the outcome of fulfilling that self-concept, if it's negative, that is a form of self-sabotage where it sabotages, for example, our health. Notice the outcome is to sabotage health or our finances or relationships. And we're not consciously choosing to do this. It's coming at that subconscious level where the self-concept mostly is established. And, of course, we must recognize that we are responsible for our own subconscious in the final analysis. So we are responsible then for our own self-sabotage. But I agree with you completely that there are fixed ideas, there are beliefs in the subconscious that are being acted upon. And it's the outcomes, I think, that we are mostly concerned with here in terms of defining it as self-sabotage or not. I mean, this is quite a philosophical and uh, psychological area to go into here. Uh, I think we could spend a long time on it. But I think what we are calling self-sabotage in terms of outcomes has a lot of material often involved in it at the subconscious level which to change it would require, in some cases, not just simple programming, but good uncovering methods, including even advanced analytical hypnotherapy, where necessary, so that we uncover what the programs, these counter-suggestions, these counter-programs that we're running, that are counter to the good suggestions of life that we want in our minds, that the hypnotherapist puts into our mind, or that we put into our mind through our self-hypnosis, but are rejected Uh, by our negative scripts and then produce the self-sabotaging outcomes or results. So, self-sabotage is in fact by far more complex than it seems at first. As you said, it's a rather philosophical approach that I brought in here, which is certainly not within the scope of this questions and answers format. I suggest we'll cover the philosophical and psychological aspects in a more lengthy hypnotalks episode some other time. But, of course, it is very important to understand that there is a lot more to self-sabotage. 
And that self-sabotage also means a kind of success, even if it's in an almost ironic way, perhaps. Well, absolutely, that the subconscious is doing its best for you at that point to fulfill that template, that those impressed fixed ideas, for example, we may have acquired from parents or other people, or we put in there ourselves. It's doing what it's been, like as Matthew Maltz talked about it as a servo mechanism, it's responding to what's been put into it and doing its best to bring that to fruition even if the results are pretty horrendous in our lives in some cases, really self-sabotaging. To leave the more philosophical and meta-levels and, as we already started, go to a more practical approach, more practical level. You've been in the business for so many years now, John, with your expertise and experience in hypnosis, be it coaching or therapy or medicine, you've already touched it, but perhaps you could elaborate a bit more. What is best practice for dealing with the self-sabotage of our clients? What does the hypnotist need to do or need to be to help the clients to get out of their successful will to fail into, let's say, a will to grow, for example? Well, Axel, the hypnotherapist starts usually with what's in front of them. In other words, the what emerges, dealing with what emerges, what's on the surface. If we can produce the change very quickly, we will do that. If it requires simple, direct programming to motivate the person towards success, the will to succeed rather than the will to fail, we would do that. At the same time, I think hypnotherapist knows how to be able to go as deep as necessary into the issues and recognizing the broad range of this phenomenon we're calling self-sabotage. That when we look at the nature with the will to survive, the will to live, we often say the first law of nature is self-preservation, not only then to preserve but to succeed and achieve, yet humans often seem to act against their best interests. So there are direct and indirect forms of self-sabotage, in my view, in one or more of the many areas of life. It can be through doing things which are overtly destructive, in other words, uh, as it were, commission <laughs> rather than omission, where people fail to follow up on things that are important for their success. And I think the self-sabotage can come in many forms and guises. It sometimes reflects a lack of confidence in themselves where they then underachieve and only achieve a kind of mediocrity level, which is quite common in life. So that's a form of underachievement or self-sabotage. Now, sometimes that's very strongly related to their overall, what we might call the global self-concept or self-perception, as I was calling it earlier, where ultimately we will only allow for ourselves, and probably for all of us the same thing applies to, but in some cases very destructive, what we deserve, what we feel we're worth, and we will behave on that basis. It's like a subconscious regulator. I won't allow success. I won't myself allow myself to believe I can achieve it. And so that reflects then the next phenomenon of where we in therapy go with that self-love versus health-hate. That's a continuum. And to progress on it, Axel, it's a journey. It's a process that therapists need to know about. There, there are people out there in our field offering a magic fix. And people sometimes, clients and uh, students who want to become therapists, sometimes get caught up with these uh, <laughs> these dubious men and women who offer a magic solution. 
But there are steps and stages that must be gone through in personal growth, personal development and understanding, and where people will then progress away from the self-hate end of the continuum towards the self-love. And then it's not just a temporary fix. They're not just getting boosted by some motivational speaker, which will only temporarily boost them and then leaves them feeling deflated. So we work, and I think as therapists, if we're serious, in a, in a comprehensive way. And that progress, by the way, on that journey into self-acceptance, self-appreciation, self-empowerment, self-love, doesn't take as long as people sometimes might imagine. As long as there's substantial readiness for change, which of course must involve responsibility taking. Now a lot could be said about this therapeutic process of stimulating readiness for change. <laughs> and of course we can't deal in this in depth in the here and now. But looking at the client, where they are on that continuum, how they live their lives, the levels of success they've allowed themselves or given themselves in different areas of life. And of course, circumstances from outside do hold people down, undermine them. But we take a good, close look at people, uh, where they are on that continuum, as Gil Boyne would say, in the famous case of Bud. Are they moving towards self-enhancing, self-empowering actions, thoughts and feelings, or stuck? towards the other end of the spectrum where they have lack of goals, lack of plans, unrealistic goals. As Bud in that film had a great lack of goals. Other people may set goals but then procrastinate. And so we can't do a very important part of work, of our therapeutic work, which is motivation. We're using all of the so-called carrot and stick and reward, and pain, working with people's values, expectancy, giving them hope, helping them shift attitudes and beliefs, becoming aware of those existing false fixed ideas and negative beliefs and attitudes. And a key part of our work in doing that is to stimulate the imagination in a creative way. That amazing faculty of the human mind is a key player in the process of moving away from self-sabotage, where they always imagine themselves failing or imagine shall we say that they can't do otherwise there's no imagination or very little that they can succeed so a lot of work can be done to help even the worst cases and in our training courses at hypnotherapy training international and as you know in Gil Boyne's transforming therapy there is a very full process involved in dealing with this there are people who take a few of the cherry-picked ideas from Gil Boyne's work but to do it properly, you study it properly and learn the process in depth. And you also learn how to teach and use self-hypnosis with your clients, for yourself. And a great number of celebrities that Gil worked with came to him very much self-sabotaging and underachieving and went on to great success. So he proved it in their lives. He proved it in his own life, having come from a very impoverished background where there was a lack of success in pretty much every area of life among the people around him. He had very few advantages in his life, and yet he rose above all of that, which is what many good hypnotherapists have done in their own lives. So they're speaking from experience and achievement rather than just some theory and, uh, shall we say, superficial knowledge. So again, it would take more than the time we have available to go into this in more depth, but that's just some of the points that I would mention in response to your question there. You already mentioned the time progressing, and as always when we talk, time flies, John. Yes. And... 
because our time has already very much progressed and unfortunately we are coming to an end already, John. If you would boil it down to three bullet points, the three most important takeaways of our today's Hypnotalks question and answers, which three from your point of view would that be? Okay, to keep it very simple, I would look at the client in terms of that self-concept, self-perception, including the self-love, noting that they need to progress and get rid of some of those negative beliefs about themselves. Number two, I would look at their levels of motivation and the boosting of these. Uh, Number three, I would work on any necessary uncovering and reprogramming the counter-suggestion, the negative fixed ideas using the advanced analytical therapy where necessary. And if simply programming on its own is enough, well, so it is. And a therapist needs to learn good programming skills. Thank you very much, John. Unfortunately, our time has already come to an end. And I'm very much looking forward to our next HypnoTalks question and answer session 14, which we will be then recording in your office in London. Thank you very much, John, and have a great and fantastic day. Thank you very much, excellent. Thanks to all who are listening and give us uh, their positive responses and uh, information and feedback and so on. All the best for now. For today, goodbye for now. Bye for now. And to all of our listeners, if you have liked this episode, please give us a like, a friendly comment, subscribe to our channels and share this episode via email and on social media. And make sure to follow up with the next episodes. Please check out our homepages. You'll find them linked on the homepage of this podcast. With that said, I'm Axel Hombach, online with Dr. John Butler. Have a great time. Until next time.